morning. Afternoon, man. I'm not going to get it right till maybe one day I'll get it. Psalms 139. Oh, Lord, you've searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You sit and search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. There's no word in my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You've beset me. You shut me in. Behind and before, you've laid your hand upon me. Your knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high above me. I cannot reach it. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, even if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, when I don't feel like I know what's going on in which ways, upside down, backwards or forwards, you're still there. Your hand's leading me. Your right hand is holding me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, the night feels like it's coming on all around me. Even darkness hides nothing from you. Even in the dark, the night shines as the day. Because darkness and light are the same to you. You formed me in my inward parts. You've knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess. I will confess and praise you, Lord. I confess you are Lord. I confess praise to you, Lord. We do, together, confess the Lord. My testimony is before you, O ancient of days. You're the one, you're the one, you're the one. You see us, Lord, now. Yes, Lord.
My frame is not hidden from you when I was being formed in a secret and intricately and curiously wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before ever they took shape, when as yet there was none of them. How precious and weighty are your thoughts to me, O God, and how vast are the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sin. And when I awake, I would know that I am still with you. If you would just slay the wicked, O God, and the men of blood depart from me, who are speaking against you wickedly, and your enemies who are taking your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And am I not grieved, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred, and they have become my enemies. Search me, O thoroughly, God. Search us, Lord, and make sure there's no unclean way in us, Lord. Search us, Lord, before we come into your presence right now. And cleanse our hearts and make us whole. And purify any unclean way in us, Lord. Grace on 
the sunrise his mercy waits from the north i can feel his wind and through his goodness i am whole again deep and wide his love is never First, let me say you're beautiful, and I know you've heard it before in a hundred songs and poems, but this is my song to you.
And I finally found something inside of me fit to give the king that no one but me can bring. So here, this is my song to you. Here, this is my song to you. This is my song to you. I will sing of your praises. I will sing of your greatness. And I will sing of your love. No, I won't be silent anymore. No, I will sing your
found something inside of me that was given to me by the King. Rise. 
Haggai chapter 2, verse 2. And as many of us have heard this so many times, I'm like you. A couple weeks ago, the Lord said, go to Joel chapter 2. And I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be one of those Joel 2 guys. You know, because sometimes we've heard things so many times. we've waited on the Lord for so many years for the fulfillment of a word that we begin to say you know well maybe so maybe that'll happen one day but when you don't see a dream fulfilled with a deferral that's been on the end time remnant it's made the heart of so many of the believers sick But it says in the text that when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And so when the Holy Spirit told me go to Haggai 2, I said again, I don't want to do that. I've heard of the former glory and the latter house reign, have you not? Yeah. But when the Holy Spirit's calling it, It's not parroting or trying to trumpet or say something about what may be. It can't be in this house like that. It must be what it is. I don't want to say it. It's like this determination in ourselves as believers. I don't want some desire that I've longed for to be delayed anymore. I want the now fulfillment of the latter house of glory. And so I'll say it this way because this is the way I was briefed on it last Sunday and then briefed on it this Sunday. The Lord said to me, covenant is in your house. The covenant that I've swore to keep. And for almost like this morning, he wakes, tells me, and is taking my shower. He t- says, I want you to go back to black. And I've wore white for, I don't know, 90 weeks or something. Because the Lord's like, I'm going to bring the ark in. But when I get covenant in the house, going to move because nothing's there to hinder the love of the Lord nothing's there to hinder Hashem from his hesed on the house 
so I was looking at the text and he says, ask the question to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and ask the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, and the remnant of the people, who among you survivors saw the former splendor of the temple? And how does it look to you now? Isn't it nothing in comparison? Now, I know that you know and you probably feel this too, but I feel like we are on the verge of something so amazing. You've been prepared for it and made ready for it for so long. And we know that it relates to the greatness of our God. We know that it relates to the greatness of who He is. It doesn't even relate necessarily to a greater constituency of people. Howbeit, that is good. You know, revival's good. But I'm talking about awakening. Awakening where our conscience and His conscience have become one. I'm talking about a tabernacling of God among men. I'm talking when the Lord comes down out of His holy dwelling place and He hangs out with us. I'm talking about what Egypt and Israel knew when the cloud came down. And the Lord knows that. Because it's in His heart more than maybe it's been in ours. And he says, take heart, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, take heart. What? Be of good courage. And I pray on this house right now, the courage. They were praying at Pentecost. Fill us with the courage that of the holy child, the baby Jesus. I pray for courage like that to believe again and again. And to sing the songs of Zion. testimony of Jesus the testimony of Christ in me Christ in me Christ in you the hope of glory So I need to say this because he said, hey, I'm with you now. Begin to work. What is Jesus' definition of work? 
believe on the one whom he has sent. What works would you have us to do? Hey, Lord, we know that you bring bread down from heaven. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life come down from heaven. What works should we do? Believe on me. Believe. And he says this, work, believe, for I am with you, says the Lord who rules over all, and do not fear, because I made a promise to your ancestors when they left Egypt, and my spirit is even now testifying to you. And he, this word in the Hebrew is zat habarit. It means this is the covenant. What am I saying? You can see that my spirit is testifying to you. He's telling me this. I am testifying by my spirit to you that this is the covenant. Uh, Brad Ames came up to me last week. He said, I woke up uh, last Sunday morning, covenant, just covenant, covenant. And I said, I know it to be the truth. The Holy Spirit is testifying to me that we have the ark of the Lord and that we have the covenant, the covenant among us. He said, I'm testifying to you this morning, son, out of Haggai 2, just like I told you when I woke you up last week. I told Brad Ames to give you a confirmation word of what I'm saying over this house. And now I am testifying to you because he told me, turn to Haggai 2, 2 to th these passages. And I'm testifying this to you right now that I've caught a covenant with you. And there is no broken covenant here. And I can tell you that you and I can have a clean conscience before the Lord. I can tell you out of Hebrews 10 that the Lord can deliver us from a consciousness of sin. I can proclaim that word because I believe that word. And then he says, moreover, the Lord who rules over all in just a little while. It says, yet once is a little. That's the way it says it in the Hebrew, or it appears the yet once in the Septuagint. It means the point is being made that this anticipated action is imminent. Yet in a little while is imminent. What? It follows what? The covenant. What has the Lord been wanting? Covenant. Full covenant. And the Lord has it. And I testify that yet in a little while, or that the imminence of God. That even though the Lord himself is transcendent, he is also imminent. Imminent. Imminent in you. Well, I believe you, Lord.
I believe you. It takes courage to believe. But I trust you, Lord. Fire, fire, fire. Morning star rise.
dreams you have placed in me Shout down the walls of fear And I will live out these dreams you have placed in me Shout down the walls of fear Nothing is impossible
Fire. 
Ephesians chapter 2, 13. But now in Jesus Christ, who used to be for us away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, the one who made both groups into one and destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility. When he nullified. It's abolished. He abolished in his flesh the law of commandments based in decrees. What you're experiencing in here is the going through the, he told me you're going through a partition by the blood. And he showed me like particles of our humanity that have been with us in the old nature, falling off behind that other wall and going in, going in a new man. I'm a new man in Christ. I'm new, I'm new, I'm new. I'm radically new. Whoa, you're new, you're new. Up to the barrier and on through, I'm new.
He did this to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace, and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. by which he killed the hostility. was seeing like we have like houses built up in our head and these houses are belief structures things that we have learned over the years what seemingly the Lord is talking to us about is in Hebrews chapter 11 where he talks about how the elders gained a good report because they live by faith rather than by sight and it says Noah not having seen what was coming, heard the word and built an ark, saving of his house and the whole world. The things that God wants us to do that are impossible are things you cannot see. We can't see them, but you and I, we can go together to the presence of the Lord, but nobody can make up your mind for you about what you're going to believe. You and I have to choose it for ourselves. Abel offered up a, be a better sacrifice than that of Cain. Why? Because Cain brought vegetables, the things he could see. Abel offered the sacrifice of blood that would be ascended to the Father in order for him to receive righteousness. We could go through all of chapter 11, you can, and you'll see that predicament that all of us as humans find ourselves in, which is, what am I going to believe? Is it going to believe what I see as the evidence on the earth, or is it going to be what I see as the impossible that God will perform for me? And that's really, I believe, what I've been feeling this morning is that we have to get out of this little house we've made in our head, which is usually representing our own hearts and our own lives. And we have to get into the promise of God because in the promise, He comes to provide it. You see, if you and I live by the physical essence of things, we'll be the disciples in the boat, 
not the Jesus on the water. If we get into the feeling of things in the sense of, of our physical environment and all this evidence, we'll be the ones who say, there's not enough food here to feed all these people. Even if we went and spent all we had, everybody wouldn't get enough. But Jesus said, what do you have? Five loaves, two fishes? God, we bless it. And about 20 tons of food begins to be multiplied. You see, it's your choice. God has already done it. Scripture says in uh, Acts 15, it says, known to God from eternity are all his works. The thing that is left to you is saying, okay, am I going to help God bring the impossible? Am I going to let the Spirit use me to create things in this world so that everyone will know in my life that there is a God? See, that's, that's what he wants for you and me. That's the faith he's wanting. And, and that you got to get it in your mind right now. You can go with the, in this worship right up to the heavens. I think that's what the scripture's been talking about today. You can go up with everyone as we go. But as you come back down, you have to make a choice. Am I going to live in the evidence that this world shows me I have? Or am I going to live from another dominion? Am I going to live from the spirit of a living God that will create through me all the things that God did with Jesus. So I want to encourage you today, all of you individually. See, we, we can do this as a body, but when it comes right down to the... To the Abel had to, had to choose. Noah had to choose. You go through all of Hebrews chapter 11, and even it says women received their men, their husbands back to life because they would not receive death as what was promised to them. And they got their people back raised from the dead you and i we have to go there it's our choice we have to make that choice to let god use us as his creative power John 2019, on the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be upon you. Peace be still.
like my God And all my enemies They consume themselves Who is like my King He who rules with Compassion and love Who is like my warrior He who rescues me so exciting. Um, I just give like a little quick debrief on worship or just a concept a base that we're in in this house and maybe this will make sense but I don't know if you can see the lines that are on the 
platform where there's some t uh, white tape lines up here. Like there's one here and then like there's one right here, another one here and here and here. And what I'm thinking or what I've been trained to think during worship is you're breaching, you come up against a wall and you can probably feel it in the spirit. And I'm, you know, I wonder sometimes if you, the congregation, feels the same thing we feel on the platform because you can, you can feel something like blocking or like, at least for me right now, uh, I don't know that the priest is supposed to sweat, but I am soaking wet. <laughs> but when, when you come up against that, and it's what, Steve, what you're getting at so aptly by faith, there's a, there's a representative thing that kind of represents itself up against this wall, and most of it is based off of what you said so aptly, again, is what we see, our perception, or the way we think about things. And some of the primary emotions that will present themselves when you're coming up to that wall will be, generally speaking, fear. Like, what's going to happen? I don't know how to do this. This is, why do I feel awkward? These kind of emotions, they'll come up. And some of us are sort of motivated by uh, or have a more proclivity towards, let's say, fear. And then the other side's usually offense, or it, it can manifest itself in the emotion of anger or wrath, or just uh, cynicism, or I'm put out, or I'm just, or aggravation, like a soft aggravation or whatever, and it'll, it'll come up on you. And now I'm not saying that you have this, but sometimes it's um, a sense of dys dysphoria, or I, I can't make sense of anything. And this is generally speaking the case when you move in faith anyways. Why? Because there's an objective proof of an unseen reality. It's unseen. And you're looking for a title deed transfer. Faith is the title deed hoped for. The objective proof of an unseen reality is a better translation in the Greek, actually. <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. Faith is the title deed, the, the objective proof of an unseen reality, a title deed that you're longing for. This title deed that the Lord is after is this Christ in us, forming himself in us by, not just by tr long-term transformation, but transfiguration. And so um, when we're in these worship sets of, and that you're mindful of, but not overly mindful of, because if you get overly mindful of it, you can't actually move through it because your eyes, what happens is the eyes of your heart lift up to the countenance of the Lord. And in a way, you begin to forget what's going on around you. You know what I'm saying? You come into the room, you'll start to notice who's here, who's not here. You'll start to notice yourself in light of others, especially your expression in worship. If you get a little bit wild or the Lord tells you to do something during worship, I invite you to, to obey him. I don't believe that in this room that you're going to get out of order because I believe that where there is order, there's full freedom. I, I have like that concept in myself from the Lord that this house is a house of order, and therefore it's a house of full freedom at the exact same time. And a lot of people feel that's not possible, but it is in the order of Melchizedek. You don't have to enforce the order, and you don't have to um, stifle the freedom. They just come in, and they're communicated through the atmosphere. So again, you're coming up on this place, and this partition wall that Jesus has already accomplished for you by the blood, which we I read to you in Ephesians chapter 2, 
we looked at it as in Haggai 2 when we began, and then Steve again mentioned Hebrews 11. Uh, I read to you John, a passage out of John 20, I believe, verse 19, expressing Jesus um, coming through the wall. And again, they were afraid of the indignation and the threats that are coming from a religious system. And so there's the fear from a religious system. And the way, you know, the way I teach that is that religious system comes from a right-based, you know, I use the color red, it's political, it's religious, and it's economic. This is the tree of the knowledge of good. The other side is called evil, blue, you can... It's represented, generally speaking, by fear. And so many believers, and, and maybe you've seen us, we go through long terms of maybe saying we're trusting the Lord, but in fact, you can say you're trusting the Lord, but not activate the faith that the Lord is calling you into, and you'll stay stagnant. And you will not receive transformation or transfiguration. And so I was kind of excited this morning because um, I'm, I'm sure that maybe you experienced this, but we were breaching up on maybe three walls this morning. And I'm like thinking, if we could get 15 walls every Sunday, well, boom, okay, this part of my particle physics side of me is gone. Okay, that doesn't exist anymore. Light's installed in the so-called junk DNA. Now light's in that 95% dark space. Okay, now let's do it again. And, you know, you'll feel like, I need to sit down, <laughs> you know. And it's okay, you know, sit until your enemies are made your footstool. That's okay. But when the Lord was at Gethsemane, he's reminded me of this this morning. When he was at Gethsemane, he said, can you not just be with me for one more hour? And what was going on with him is he's going through taking sin for us, and, it's, you know, it's going to burst his capillaries in his face. And that's a stress that the fact that you're even here is a miracle because most people will not subject themselves <laughs> to this kind of transfiguration that's meant to occur in this context. They feel like, and I've you know, probably lost hundreds of people because I know, and I, the Lord bless them and God grace them and we love them all, but you get up to a point and you're like, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and the enemy's ready there to assault you. Your flesh is there ready. The blood, even in your own body, is like giving you problems. I mean, like, biologically, this is intense. Anatomically, physiologically, it's intense. Um, it's intense in the, it's intense in your blood. Remember what he said to Pete? Flesh and what? Did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. Why? Because when you're in a context like this and the Spirit is moving, moving for transfiguration, moving for an end-time people that are prepping for glorification, let's just be real about it, that the tendency is to feel it in your body and just be like, man, this is exhausting. I mean, the Lord told me, or Kara said, you got to go to CrossFit. And I was like, I don't, don't want to go. I don't want to go. Those guys are just wearing me out in there. I'm like, <laughs> you know. And the Lord's like, you need to go. 
because you can't take what's coming. Your physical body, I'm not telling all y'all to go to CrossFit. I was calling it CrossFit because <laughs> it, it's going to eject out something else because it hurts so bad. <laughs> but your physical body in the midst of God, man, God, the presence of the Lord relating to this end time remnant people, be of good courage when you're saying, I'm coming up against another barrier block in myself. I can't make sense out of this, but uh, as Stephen Austin are leading us, your eyes are pitching up to him, and you're saying, my eyes are on you, and then all of a sudden, and you can hear it in the worship, you'll, and we, we did twice this morning, and I was like, oh, let's do another one, let's do another one, let's do another one. <laughs> Let's cross the whole stage and be done. We can get five out of one event. <laughs> five barrier breached, you know, and your soul is, the Lord's like, they're, ti they're tired. Okay, we can have a good time. We'll have a conversation now about it, and then we're going to come back. We're going to sign up again, and you can do this during the week, too. <laughs> you don't have to just do it corporately, but you'll feel things come up against you, and again, fear, anger, blue, red, they represent, and the Lord's looking for a royal option out of you. No manipulation, no control. Wait for him, wait for him, trust him, trust him. I'm not moving off my promise. That's the oath, the promise and the oath, bring heaven to earth. And you have that capacity when you, because when the Lord made you, he created you for this. And I mean, we come out of our mama's belly and we were all wounded by the fall, broken in our iniquities, but that don't have to be our condition. If we can get some understanding though of what's going on, why are we going through what we're going through and why do you guys do what you do here? This is why, at least in my mind, I don't know if Steve is why. Okay, yeah. And then you know what, what he'll say and what I'll tell you is we want him. Paul says it 127 times, I mentioned it before, that I may be found in him. And what happens, I can tell you this after doing this for years, eventually what happens is you get so transformed internally, your eyes become open to the realm of heaven and you can see God at work in everything. And you, it's like, man, I was like, Lord, I would have everybody to know what I'm experiencing. I mean, I don't have to like, I didn't want to preach for a long time. Now I'm like, I want to tell you, he's <laughs> so good. You know, like really good. Not like Passover good, not just Pentecost because we get signs and wonders good, but I mean tabernacling with you. <laughs> Union with Christ, him and you running your frame show, run whatever you want to call your man, two, man woman 2.0. <laughs> I don't know. Your skin suit. And I just want to encourage you, and that's what Jesus is wanting to encourage us with out of Haggai this morning. Trust the promises of God for they are yes and amen unto the glory operating through you. Trust the covenant of the Lord. Trust the covenant because what happens to you is, I don't know how to do this except like this. <laughs> the covenant. <laughs> I don't know how to express covenant except like, ah, like that. I don't know how to express, how do you express the covenant? <laughs> there are other ways to express the covenant, but... <laughs> But I mean, like, before other people. <laughs> yeah. Ah! Like that. Like you believe. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to do it like that. You can be like, oh. <laughs> and it's the 
the same thing. <laughs> we're like, oh. or like Janie, you know, I love her, Janie. I'm like, there's the covenant, you know. And thank you, Stephen. I heard that covenant in your voice this morning. Why you just, boom, bam, you know, take some of that. Yeah, it's beautiful. All right, well, let's get started. Um, I just play. I just think that's funny to say that. Okay, Christianity 101. <laughs> um, uh, Job 38. I know everybody loves it when you turn to Job. But I got to say, it's like my, I think it might be one of my favorite books in the Bible. Yeah. I love Job. Just absolutely love it. And so, um, but, but this isn't about me loving my favorite book this morning. It's about the Holy Spirit speaking to me about where to, to commune with you, or communicate with you today. <clears throat> there are two major speeches after you have Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar, and Elihu. Um, the three miserable comforters, they're claiming a righteousness, uh, misapplying the righteousness of God. Their major misapplication that his three friends have is based in what is called retributive justice. Retributive justice is based in the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law is a legitimate law that God set up through Moses. But re retributive justice goes something like this. You did that, you get that. Okay? You put this much in, you get that much out. That's, that's, if you do that, that's what, there's your penalty because you did that, or there's your reward. That's retributive justice. And Job's three friends, that's what they were, were applying retributive justice to Job's circumstance. And um, as you know, if you read along into the end of the book, God doesn't actually go for that. And that wasn't actually uh, the methodology he was employing with Job. I'm going to do my best this morning. The Lord wasn't employing Mosaic um, law against um, Job to prove his lack of righteousness or faith. He was employing Abrahamic covenant with him. Because God's interest in Job was not to punish him. His interest in Job was to purify him. God wasn't interested in punishing a man who was called righteous by his very own mouth. And God is not punishing the elect. But the Lord is purifying us. And so... And so this is very important that you understand this in the book of Job, because if you don't, you'll read it like Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar. And they, if you really get down to it, it's such phenomenal employing that they do, because they take like three completely different angles of retributive justice and employ it against him. And the Lord is interested in something coming out of Job's mouth that he is going to come out, and he wants it to come out, because this is what the Lord wants to deal with. The Lord won't, well, the Lord doesn't want it to, but the Lord's going to extract this out of his mouth. He's going to claim his own righteousness under, under pressure. 
he's going to pop eventually, and he's going to say, hey, guys, leave me alone. I'm a righteous man. You know, Proverbs will tell you, Solomon, I think, wrote this, hey, let another man speak well of you. Don't speak well of yourself. The Lord's telling in this divine council room that we're going to look at this morning, he's telling him, have you considered this guy? He's a righteous man. He believes me by faith. He does what I want him to do. And yet, and yet, I'm not going to employ the law of Moses against him. I'm going to allow you to go down and mess with him because I'm going to purify this man. I'm not punishing him. I'm purifying him. And it's really important that you, the elect of God, understand this. It's important because of the nature of our enemy and the nature of what you're going through and how it can take you off and get you off track with the Lord. Lord, I pray for your help in this. I want to do well before you, and I want this to make sense. I want it to go into our spirit and feed us in a way that just hits home. Earlier this week, I, I was you know, being prepped for this by the Lord, and he's like, takes me to Romans 8.33, and he said, Paul writes this, he says, will anyone bring a charge against God's elect? Let it sink in. I mean, let it, let it come to you, because I, I was reading that, and I said, man, that's amazing. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for who? That's all. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Last week in a sermon, we're looking at Joshua the high priest in Zechariah 3, and he says, you know, I freely forgive all your iniquity. Freely. Will he not freely give it us all? He was delivered up for you. And then it goes on to say, and, and bring that up at 8.33, it brings it up to say, who will bring any charge against God's elect? Who justifies? Who does it say? God. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died. Just leave that up. Just leave that up. Because, read it again. Read it, because... Read it. I pray that you have an in-depth revelation of that text. You, the sons and daughters of God, Romans 8. I pray that the revelation of that will just take over your being. I, tell you, I pray it take over mine. I said, Lord, this week I said, because so much of our faith and what Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar were doing, is charging against Job, the elect of God, by a manner of Mosaic law, you must have done this, and because you did, you are suffering because of this. And it was not true. It was a misapplied, a misapplication of the law. Or maybe it was an application of the law, but it wasn't what God was doing with him. And I, I want to suggest, those of you that are the elect of God, that's not what God's doing with you either. And the enemy, our enemy, wants to pull us down into that minutia. 
And I, what I'm attempting to do today is, is um, because he's tasked me with this, and I'm praying, like, hopefully I can do this, but to basically liberate your consciousness out of Mosaic law thinking and into Abrahamic covenant. That you will be just like this because if it is God who justifies and God only justifies those who live by faith and without faith it's impossible to please God for you must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That you would know that you can only be justified according to faith and if God is the one who justifies then no charge can be brought against you. If your life is in faith in the Lord, no, no charge. Nothing. Well, we can't figure you out. You're like a paradox. You're a stigma. You don't make sense. It doesn't matter. And it, it doesn't matter anymore that this courage would come over you. I'm the elect of the Father. I'm the one who is delighted in by him. And this courage comes out of you because you know who you are. Because the headspace that I was speaking of last week, the, that your enemy would be far off from you now and not down inside messing with you and using this mosaic law against you. You know, someone hits you on the cheek, hit them, hit them back. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, we, and I tell you, if you get into that kind of mindset, and you, I tell, I, well, I know this. In my own personal training with the Lord, the Lord if I make an accusation against some other believer or some person and I get into or into unforgiveness in my heart, man, the Lord started sending demons to train me until you repent and come back to center and it's about him and his blood and I'm not getting into that mind. Do you know what I mean? And why should you and I be always like, man, oh my gosh, you know, you know, it's like that as a believer sometimes. Instead of just like, man, the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood over you. I plead the blood over me. He was condemned for me on a tree, and it is done. And I don't have to look at someone else in judgment, make up my opinion about them or whatever. I can come out of all that and let because I'm delighting in, I can delight in. Now, we can't knowingly delight in um, rebellious sin. Don't get me wrong, I'm not promoting that. You know, 1 John 1, 9, everybody knows it. If you go out of the way and you do what you're not, repent, turn back, and he'll cleanse you from some unrighteousness. Straighten me out. Thank you. <laughs> Straighten me out. Don't let me preach to you bad preaching. All unrighteousness. That means that you're... And according to the word right there, you're like ethically clean. <laughs> For the just shall live by faith. Now, for those of you then that we understand this and we're going to come out of agreement with unforgiveness and a lack of a giving and generosity of heart and that we're covenantally faithful to the Lord, however, that doesn't mean that you might not go through something. <laughs> I.e. Job i.e. Joshua, Joseph, David, Deborah, right? Mary. So Job 38, finally, I like this, the Lord speaks. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this who darkens counsel? 
with words without knowledge. Get ready for a difficult task like a man. I will question you and you will inform me. I mean, some people don't like this. They get offended at someone that talks to them like that. <laughs> you know, what do you think you know? You know, what do you know? You don't know anything. You're just running off at the mouth. Now, you be quiet and listen. But God in heaven is so, I love this about him. I love our father. I love the way he does this. I mean, yeah, he will tell you to be quiet <laughs> and be still. I love this about him because what he's going to do with Job and in his question, he's going to make these questions, where were you or were you or did you? He's going to make these questions because when God asks you a question, he doesn't do it just for your intellectual knowing. I mean, he's already basically said that to Job. What do you know? He does it to impart himself into you. He's not asking you questions because he's superior. Oh, but he is. <laughs> but he's not doing it for that reason. He's doing it because he loves that man. He's wanting to give him an understanding of who he is. God begins to ask you questions in the middle of just like, I don't know, man. I just can't make sense of what's going on right now. I just feel like kind of spun out. I did everything that you've said. I've followed you. I'm suffering loss. I'm going through some hardship. I'm seeing some tough times. I've, I've been faithful to you. And you feel like you come up to the wall. You feel the fear. You feel the offense maybe. And there's nothing really left to say. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to figure it out. You come up to that point, you kind of, you just stand there. You know, you've heard some of the church say that, you know, go stand at the wall. That's all you can do. Talks about that in, what is that, Ephesians, done, done all that I could do. I'm going to stand. And then this is where the Lord really wants me to encourage you this morning, like really, like, you know, like provoke you maybe, or invoke something in you, but that, that when you come up to that point and you're just like, man, I've, I just don't know, and I can't make sense of anything, but I've been faithful to you, and I've done everything you wanted. And if you would just get still for a little bit, and maybe even a couple weeks ago, it's just like, be quiet. I'm wanting to come down. I have something I want to say. I got something I maybe want to ask you, and um, I've found that it's really good to maybe frame a question or maybe frame some kind of um response right there like try to find deep down inside what's going on and allow yourself to be still enough to say what are you doing with me here uh, you, you have to imagine this if you could that God's not exactly like us <laughs> Phil said I hope not <laughs> but I think for most of my life, I thought I was God, <laughs> you know, because of the way I was acting. Because when I came up against these things, I thought I could figure it out. In some way, I'd made God in my own what? Image. 
And we all have because we all, we all fell short of the glory. But there was some kind of image in uh, what Steve was saying. It was framed into our consciousness about the way that we think God is. And there's certain parts of your life that the Lord uh, is coming in to expose that are very uncomfortable maybe to you, that even you don't know about yourself. I mean, you might have to go back to your, if your mom and daddy are alive, you could go back to them and say, do you remember how I've been my whole life? And could you tell me, is this off or right or whatever? And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to tell you, you know, but I didn't want to get in the mosaic law on you because I loved you, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, but have I been dealing with this or what is this problem? You might ask some people around you or maybe you wouldn't, but maybe they could they'd be scratching their head with you. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you, but there's one that knows. He knows you better than anybody does in this room. He knows you. I mean, he's in this room. Forgive me, Lord, but you know, he knows you the best. And so he comes in on you, and this is where, you know, you can draw back. You come back from the wall. Whew, I just don't want to do that. You're going to come rescue me one day, that pre-trib thing, man. <laughs> Sorry, not a fan. I'm not saying the word's not coming back. The word's coming back to you first and then he's coming back literally and then you're there and you have nothing left and he's like be still soul and then if you just wait on him I think he'll frame a question into your mind if you'll just wait and be still before him maybe and, and I'm going to ask you to do this you don't have to come report back to me maybe you could if you want to tell me your testimony but maybe you're coming up against something you've been coming up against it a lot and like it was a little practicum out of this house that you could go into the Lord and say, what question is in my heart? And I think it'll always be like a question. And that if you could just sit long enough with him and just say, what's the question? And then he would just define it for you. And then in that question, I believe that I've got to know this about him. He has an answer. I love this about the Lord. I love that when... These questions, I mean, I have so many questions. I bet you do too. And if you were told as a child, stop talking, you can't ask a question, be quiet, we don't want to hear what you have to say, you might be like, think that our father, our, and from, uh, you know, Abraham, uh, our father Abraham, and then our father outside of Abraham would treat you the same way. And it, no. No, he wants you to ask him. He wants to frame that, and he wants to not just get you in that question. He wants to come in and intervene in the question and transfigure your nature. God doesn't just answer questions. He transfigures who you are. That's, I love this about our Father. He's, he's not just into a trust relationship that's mechanical, and it's just... You know, you did this, you did that. That's like in the law. No, he's a benefactor, so he gives you his nature, and you discover deep, more deeply who you are in the interchange. Now, do you know why? Now, I would say, there's our first wall. Why would I say we would, oh, let's go through it. Let's go through it, right? You can see why. What would the word would say? Stay with me one more, more, more hour. I want to bring you into deep. I want to bring you guys in closer to who I am in you, 
And I want you to go through this. And if you can go through that barrier, that wall with me, I'll change you to become more like me and then just sign up for it again. Again and again until lambs become lions. <laughs> the lamb is the lion. Your whole nature is transformed, transfigured. Light has taken over. And so Job comes up to the council meeting and the Lord's first speech. Well, he's going to get into a revelation in the first component of things I believe related to the earth. And this, this may be overly simplifying it, but in the second round of question of the Lord, it'll be the things related to the heavens. And so God is going to open up, let's just make sure, but he's going to open up an understanding of the heavens and the earth. Maybe it's not in the first round of questions like that, but there's going to be an understanding he wants to bring him into and orient him uh, in the heavens and the, and the earth. Because each place you go through, you become more like him, and then you find that all that's out there is in here. <laughs> it's wild. Like you have a Stellarium program inside of yourself of the stars. You have a you have galaxies sitting inside of you. you. You find royalty in there. You find a holy nation in there. How do you get a nation inside of a human being? You find so much richness of what of God in you, Christ in you. It's just so amazingly powerful. I tell like a quick story. If you reminded me of this morning back in 2018, I was going through just like it'd been years of pastoring and just like just. Kara and I just both saying yes to the Lord over and over again, and is it, I hit probably one of the darkest places in my life. I mean, the worst, the worst. I I had demons attacking my mind. I um, I don't even like to say it public, but I will for, for some people. I would never do this, but I even saw myself taking my own life numerous times. Now I would never do that because I love too much. It's but it was like demonic attack after attack after attack. And uh, Kara would go drop me off. She'd go uh, do things to drop me off in Starbucks. Sometimes I'd just sit there and stare at the wall for hours. I just went in the, I, and every Sunday I'd do my best to preach and do what I've been told to do. I kept obeying him, but man, it just got so dark. And I remember it was about the summer of 2018. I had like a premonition, dream, vision, some kind of, I don't know if it was like um. It wasn't an open vision, but it was like a closed vision in my mind. And I can't remember. I think it was a dream. But in the dream, I was in all black. And I was dragged up to this ancient door. It was like, I don't know, about this tall. Kind of went like that point like this. It was sort of Celtic in orientation. And it was like wood, you know, one of those big, thick wood, brown doors that was old. And this guy, he's like a guard. He drags me up. Uh, to the edge of the door, and I was really, really scared, like terrified scared, and so scared that I had peed my pants, which is something I don't know that I've done since I was a kid in the bed. I've, I did some bed wedding stuff. I'll just admit it, you know, I was completely broken up here, humble and everything. Guys, mom and dad, you know, I wet my bed too, <laughs> just like you, maybe. I don't know. But I wet all over myself. I stunk. I, I felt really sort of just filthy. You know, like you really need a bath bad. It was nasty. 
And I'm laying outside the thing, just slumped over it, this big wooden door. And, um, you know, in the vision, sort of, you know, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was like that. Because it's both. Because you can see yourself while you're in yourself. That's when you go into these heavenly experiences, third heaven experiences, they're that way. And it was some kind of door like that. And so next thing you know, that I hear this like thunderous voice is like, bring him in. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. No, you know, so um, they, this guard picks me up and sort of helps me hobble in there. And they put me right in the center of the room on a witness stand. And um, now the thing that I couldn't, I can barely remember was, is I was, I know that I believe either the father or the son was in the room. And I know because I was terrified. And there was some kind of order of men in there that were, I knew of some, believe now it was the Melchizedek order. They were priest kings. They were of the order of the Lord. And they were the kind of like order of men that, they're completely humble, but they're complete warriors and would scare the living daylights out of you kind of males. And they're like sitting in there, and I'm sitting in the middle, and um, the court goes in session. And now later on, I'm going to find out that I've been dragged into the sod of Yahweh into a divine council room meeting that's in Psalms 82. And I didn't really have a framework for this, and if you don't apologize you can look in with Michael Heiser, has some material on it, on the uh, Divine Council. Micaiah went there, Jeremiah went there, Isaiah went there. You can look it up in the text. I'm dragged into there, and I don't know who these guys are necessarily, and I didn't know if they're alive on the earth now, or if they were, like I was in a room, and maybe y'all know, I don't know. But they were, they were like, Yeah. And I remember sitting there, and, and uh, one of them, he starts talking to the Lord, and he says, he'll never make it. He'll break loyalty with you. Because you, know, you put pressure on him like that, he'll break down. And um, he's already almost broke right now, and we can see it. And the other one says, yeah, I agree, he's not going to make it. He'll break loyalty to you, your kingship. He'll, he'll break covenant. Because if you exact what you're going to have to do to him to make him into the person he's going to become, he'll never make it. And the other one, he said, yeah, I agree. And there's like the whole bunch of, they agree that I will never make it. <laughs> I was like, thanks, guys. But I didn't say a thing. I didn't say a thing because it was terrifying. And I was kind of agreeing with them. Yeah, Lord, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it at all. I'm not making it right now. And because they were telling him it's going to get, you know, I had this understanding. This is the first um, meeting that Job went into to the divine council. I found out later there's two, uh, there, there's going to be another one, you know. And I didn't know, you know. I don't know. The Lord told me to tell you this story. So I'm going to just tell it. Because I believe it matches in Zechariah 3 with Joshua the high priest. And that it matches with many of our lives because the Lord's been wants to invite us into something and maybe we know maybe the church don't even have a framework for it. Except we read about it by Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micaiah, the Lord, you know, that were caught up into these. You know, maybe you get to see someone personally that's had this experience with the Lord. Because God's calling us higher and he's inviting us into things that maybe we have no context for. Now I remember the Lord sitting there and, dude, that guy, the Lord, 
he is amazing, but he is no joke, man. The Lord. <laughs> like, he's not someone to be trifled with, and he's very loving, but he is really courageous, and he is really big on covenant. Like, perfectly. <laughs> you know what I mean? He has this, he has like a sense of humor and a fierce loyalty that's just, he's awesome. Uh, everybody's going to hit the deck when he comes down. No questions asked. Down on the knee. You know, I mean, because this guy is amazing. And he, like, speaks up and he says, something to the effect of not so. And it was something to the extent that, because I paid for this. I paid for him. And according to the Mosaic Law, I was dead to right, probably on all 613. <laughs> I'd broke them all. But according to the Lord, and according to his word, and according to who he is by his own blood, purchased. And I'll tell you, you know, as messed up as I was in there, man, I love that king. I love, I love him. Now you're going to make me cry, Lord, like I was in there. Because <laughs> I don't deserve to be done so right. I don't deserve him. None of us do. It's like it's not deserving. It's, it's so undeserving, so much so, so dramatically so. Like Brad Ames calls it the infinite disparity. It is. It's the infinite disparity between an uncreated God and our brokenness that he would condescend his nature to come to us to do something for us, it just messes with you. And not just to make you some kind of wimpy, scrimpy Christian. No, to make you the royals, the, the royal family. <laughs> to make you look like him. I mean... And not just to restore you ethically or internally, but to restore a whole kingdom externally to you. You, the sons and daughters. And the enemy's been lying. And he's been covering up and colluding and using a mosaic law-based document to assault you and to get you to assault others. I'm not putting that on you. I'm just saying it's happened to all of us. When we come under the Abrahamic covenant of the Lord, that our father Abraham has many sons, and many sons have father Abraham. <laughs> Please don't sing it, but <laughs> I have so many problems with children's songs. I can't listen to them. I don't know what's wrong. I'm, pray for me. <laughs> Please don't sing that. Let's stand together. Knowing... I ask you to come out of agreement today with anything related to. Let me put it to you this way. Lawlessness or the law that's not related to the Lord by faith. The just, will you sing that last song you played in the last song you played? That, that, that we don't agree with getting our relationship with God based out of the law or lawlessness. But we agree with a covenantal father who loves you. 
and of a son who's paid the price for your condemnation by taking the condemnation himself. This is how you're going to breach the walls. You breach them like this, by the blood, by the blood, by the blood of the lamb who's overcome by the blood. Because the wall is going to tell you, you should, this is what everybody does or what I've been doing or have done. I can do it. Why didn't you do it? I'm pretty amazing. Hey, you are pretty amazing. You should do it. They should do it. Y'all should have done it. Why didn't you do it? Forget all that nonsense. He did it. (laughs) That's the darkness. And it says in Psalms 139 that even the darkness with God is light. Melinda was telling me last week we were closing out. She said the father was like doing this kind of, right? Like this. And that he had this, what was it, like his robe? And it had tallit coming off the robe. You know the tallit, the 613 laws that the Jews would wear. She said that he started swinging wildly and we all catched on to the tallit. And we were all flying around with the father. Why? Because... I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, but in myself I am the fulfillment of them. Oh, this testimony before you, Father, is true, and it is right. And is covenantally faithful to you. And you're holy. And you're righteous. And you're the glory. And you're the magnificent one, Father. And though I've sat in darkness, and though we all have, we shall rise. And if you strike down a righteous man six times, he shall rise again. I'll tell you what, Lucifer, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Yahweh rebuke you off of God's people for executing Mosaic law against the elect who are of the father Abraham, the father of faith. I'm of my father. He told the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah, he said, they said, we don't know you or your father. He said, you don't know me because your father's the devil. Because if you knew me, you would know right now because you would feel me. You would know that the one that is speaking of you comes from God because God is inside of me. And you would feel connected to me. And because you don't, and because it runs you off, because you're run off and repulsed by me, you cannot know my father. You must not know my father. And he would say, repent, believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now. How do we see ourselves? Am I seated in heavenly places with Christ? Or am I in the minutia of some Mosaic law 
executing it against others or executing it against myself? Have I gotten partnership with the accuser? Well, cast the accuser out. He's accuser of the brethren, accuses them day and night. No, I don't, I don't, I don't take any of this anymore. No, I won't have it. Now I'm not going to become party to that, to that kind of doctrine in that kind of way. No, I'll, I'll only do this. Jesus has paid the price for your redemption. Jesus has covered the cost. Jesus is the covenant keeper. Jesus is the Holy One. And his Christ nature is living in me. I'm a covenant keeper because he is. I'm loyal to the royal because he is. And I can worship him like that in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Yeah. What about one more wall right now? What about one more right now? Melinda saw this last week. If you want to come forward, you can. I, I don't do that very much. I'm not trying to mimic an old system, but if you feel led to do that, she said, I felt like I was going to rush the stage last week. It doesn't matter to me. If that's your step of faith or whatever it has to be, run a circle around here if you need to, but breach a wall right now. Let the Christ nature come into you and let's break another barrier corporately. It's a remnant of the Lord. Shine, shine, for your light has come. Glory of God be revealed in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm the Lord's. I'm the Lord's. His covenant is with me. I'm the Lord's. Move, Spirit, move. Move in this place. Move, Holy Spirit, move. Full church. I plead the blood over you in the name of Jesus. Blood, blood of the Lord. Move, move, move.
the sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah. Look to the rock from where you were hewn and fashioned for him and by him and then it would go back to him and bring him the honor and the glory that he is due. I glorify you, Father. We glorify you in this house, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We honor you, 
Son, and we honor you, Holy Ghost, we honor you. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Magnify the Lord with me, all ye saints. Spirit keeps reminding me of this. I want to say this before we close. Remember, remember Peter and what he said to Jesus about John. Remember that? And he said, What are you going to do with that guy? Something to that effect. And he says, What's that to you? Something to the effect of if I leave him alive or something like that until I come back, something like that. Some years ago, I was looking down in the text and I was looking at that. And the Holy Spirit said this to me as clear as day. He said, a great revival and a great end time harvest is going to come upon the earth. Like Peter's apostleship had paid for when he was hung upside down later on, that he had, by his apostolic mantle or mandate, he had 
in effect, put there was seed that had went into the ground for an eight, a, a great end time harvest. But the Lord said to me, he says, be careful and don't get caught up into it. He says, because John's apostleship will be the one that will be the most important in the end of the age. It's the revelation of me, he said. It's the apostle of love. He's reminding me of this. He says, as great as a constituency is that grows within the earth, even a billion soul harvest. And I know this might sound kind of humorous. I think it is. He says, I'm infinitely greater still. And you can have me. And I said, Lord, may it be so. May it be so. Thank you, Lord, for what you did through Peter. Now, I know he's right there in the great cloud of witnesses, and we honor that work of evangelism at Pentecost. We honor him. But we honor even more the revelation of the man, Jesus Christ. Infinitely greater. Infinitely more glorious. Infinitely coming down to shine like the sun, that shines like the sun now. And that our hearts and our mind, especially in this end time, would not be taken astray even by greater constituency, even movements of revival, even being used by the Lord and caught up into an awakening, that our eyes would be so fixed on the majestic one that our hearts would be in love with our King. Only to the Lord. Only to Him be the glory. And so when you're watching this, what's about to happen is coming. It's always coming. And many of you are going to be used in this end time move. Many of you have been prepared by the Lord. But don't forget who's this about. It's about what He deserves. The, the lamb who was slain, the one deserving all the glory. And so, this great revelation is coming on us. The great revelation of the man, Jesus Christ. many of us, he has been sobering us to this reality. He must be first. He must be the last. We've been sobered according to this reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. I will magnify you, Lord. We will keep you at the forefront of everything we do. We pledge our loyalty to you. And may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.
the night 